your hair and outfit look really pretty with your glasses and face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> your like sweater matches your hair and glasses. It's cute. Thank you. I've been very into bright colors. Oh my God. Me too. Really? No. I mean... <laughs> Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. Today we are on season two, episode eight, Taken. Okay, I want to set this up with you. So we like talked, but not about this multiple times. Like as we're watching it, we're like, oh my God, oh my God. But like, don't say anything until we record. Yeah, this was a good episode. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I was going over my notes again this morning and I'm like, all right, the only thing that Gabe told me, because she usually starts watching the episode before me, the only thing that she told me was that... Why are you talking about me like I'm not here? I'm just telling everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) If I were to be like looking you deep in the eye and telling you what you do, you'd be like, I know what's what's happening. I was was there. (laughs) So Gabe usually will text me like, have you watched any of it yet? And I have to be like, shut up. (laughs) Don't tell me anything. (laughs) This time she was like, there is an insane twist so i went in anticipating a twist so like i am making my predictions like throughout the whole thing and then as i was looking over my notes this morning i was like we have to come at this as if we are going through it for the very first time yeah because the twist changes everything about all of the ways that i looked at it i watched this one scene by the time we get there you're gonna know exactly which one it is but i watched this one scene like five times today because i'm like trying to perfect it in my head so i can remember what i'm doing so i do it so you go oh that's so good (laughs) i I shouldn't even tell you because i'm like performing to like get something out of you (laughs) all right do you want to start sure the opening scene is there's like a big huge celebration taking place there's kids there's dancing there's clowns etc this party's happening in the grand lobby of this fancy hotel but it's family friendly and there's this mardi gras style music playing the party's like fancy but festive there's a gigantic chicken suit yeah person dancing yeah a guy comes up and he's being announced and his name is mr thorpe i think they're like trying to compare him to trump or something like he's a big hotel tycoon guy i called him american sean connery Oh, yeah. Because that's what he looked like. He did look like that. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. He's like a a hotel hotel mogul, like Trumpian whatever. Yeah. Not current Trump. What people used to think of Trump. Yeah. So it's the grand opening of New York's first family-friendly hotel called Thorpe Palace. The first five-star family-friendly luxury hotel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought I was like... There's never been a hotel in New York where people can bring their fucking kids. <laughs> I know. And New York's like, there's not. We would prefer not. <laughs> they keep cutting away to two little kids all dressed up like punching balloons and whatever. And because this episode is called Taken, I'm sitting here like, will someone please just snatch one of these fucking kids and get this over with for me? <laughs> That's what I thought. That's where I thought we were going. Yeah, you're... I wasn't sure. Right. Now I get what they mean. It was a play on words. Mm-hmm. And Olivia says it. Later. Oh, I didn't even notice. Anyway, so the dancing and music continues. So elevator doors open and a girl who's pretty beat up falls into the arms of, I'm guessing he's a, like, he's just a worker there. He's an employee. Mm-hmm. It is a juxtaposition of imagery and it's jarring. Yeah. He kind of shuffles her off into the back and she's asking for help and she says that she's been raped. Yeah. He's like, he like whisks her away. 
Benson and Stabler show up to the party, which is still going on, by the way, which I thought was super weird. A security mm-hmm. guard meets them and tells them, he's like, can you guys just smile? I don't want to upset the guests. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And they go into the back to see the girl. And her name is Siobhan, Siobhan Miller. Her brother is with her and he's like rightfully pissed and wondering how this had happened. He's like, this is a fucking like the first opening of a hotel. Like, how can this fucking happen? He's reaming the shit out of this higher up hotel employee. I'm guessing he's like the like the hotel manager who's getting like fucking chewed out by this victim's brother. Yeah. So Stabler's like, why the fuck? Why isn't there an ambulance here? What's going on? You know? Mm -hmm. And so the security guard used to be a cop. So he like pulled strings to get them there without an ambulance so that there would be a whole bunch of like hullabaloo ruining the hotel party. Right. Yeah. Like it's clear like the hotel wants to do this very quietly because it's going to make it look bad. Her brother says like, you call this a safe whatever? Like the word safe was used in Thorpe's speech, like Mm -hmm. addressing the party. Oh, safe, family friendly, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh shit, this looks really bad. We've been open 30 seconds. There's also this little dude with little round glasses standing there just like stress rubbing his mouth. You know, like this thing. You like wipe the corners of your mouth, but then just keep pulling your chin down because you're stressed out. Oh shit, he's a lawyer. So Stabler calls that out. He's like, you guys got a lawyer here before medical assistance or police and he's disgusted. Yeah, so Stabler's super pissed about that. So this fucking security guard was a cop for like 20 years and sounds like he fucking sucked. Yeah. Benson is talking to Siobhan. She's 17. She's like, I've already told what happened already like three times to no police officers, by the way. Right. Benson really wants to take her to the hospital and Siobhan starts telling her the story about what happened. So she had went into her room to get ready, but her shit was like all over the place. She was really confused. And then she saw the guy. She didn't know him. And she said she tried to run out, but he slammed her face against the door. And then he started hitting her with a phone and he raped her. So he somehow got a key. Yeah. And and I felt so bad because she was like, I was standing there and I didn't run because I was confused by why everything was laying around and then i saw him there right so munch and toots walk into the hotel security hub like the place where they sit and watch the monitors of the security cameras and stuff Mm -hmm. and all these guys are looking at security footage as soon as munch walks in he announces no editing they want to see security footage but the room that siobhan and her family were on is on the third floor and the security officer explains that because they just opened they didn't have like everything in order and only the fifth floor through the penthouse is covered by security cameras Mm. And the rest should be operational within a week, which does nothing for them right now. Yeah. So Alan Thorpe, the owner of the Thorpe Plaza Palace Spectacular, whatever the fucking hotel is called, (laughs) he storms in and he's throwing a fit about there being a security issue. And it seems like he knows about the rape and his attitude is just like, oh, my head of security is going to handle it. And I'm like, of course, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Who doesn't care about a teen girl who's sexually assaulted at his hotel. I have guests waiting and you're like, okay, you just talked about how. Okay. Yeah. No, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. And it would ruin him if this got out. Yeah. So that's like established right away. Yeah. The security goes to take the detectives to talk to Terry Wilde, the desk clerk who discovered her coming off the elevator, the guy who whisked her away. So I don't know if we learned this earlier, but the head of security's name is Winston, the guy who was a cop before being head of security at this hotel. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And it's only here where they're calling him Winston. I'm like, I'm just going to let him have it. Anyway, he's taking them to talk to Terry Wilde, who is in the employee cafeteria. They're giving Winston shit about detaining the victim and not getting her medical care right away. And he claims Mm -hmm. that Siobhan refused it, which Munch was like, yeah, a lot of victims do. It doesn't mean you listen to them. Munch and Toots are sitting in this cafeteria across from Terry Wilde. I stop 
everything to IMDb this guy. Yeah. He looks yeah. so fucking familiar. I'm like, I have to find you. So at first I was like, oh, he's a Chicago theater actor and he's been in all of the shit that I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, weird. Why do I fucking know this guy? Is he a comedian or was he in like a, some comedies or like? I dove a little bit deeper <laughs> and I found out that he played Zach's dad in School of Rock in the 2003 Jack Black movie. Who's Zach? Zach was the insane guitarist like the main kid of the class oh, and his and- dad was the tight butthole guy who was like you don't play rock music you play classical music that's right and then he goes he goes to the show and he's like i love my son yeah and he's got <laughs> yeah. like that scarf on and he's like oh i'm proud of you oh my god the no, wave of to. satisfaction that i got from discovering that was i don't want to say better than sex but it was definitely up there <laughs> I fucking loved that movie. I did too. And right when I saw he was in it, I'm like, that is exactly why I know you because I've seen that movie multiple, multiple times. Yeah. Anyway, he's mm-hmm. like, I didn't even really talk to her, so I'm not sure how much help I can be. He says the only thing she said to him was, I was raped. And Toots goes, yeah, dude, you're the outcry witness, which is the first person that the victim speaks to after the crime. So yeah. Terry might have to go to court to testify with what Siobhan said to him. Mm-hmm. Toots wants to know why he wasn't at his post. Why wasn't he manning the front desk? And he sheepish says because it was a big fancy over-the-top party he said that he thought he might see julia roberts or something mm-hmm. and he was like pouting about what happened he's like yeah turns out what kind of day blah, blah, blah. yeah he was like look what happens yeah and then toots is like oh it just isn't your day is it it's like <laughs> oh boo a lady got raped like fuck you you know what i mean All right, we're at the Cabrini Medical Center and the doctor's going over Siobhan's chart with Benson and she sees that her injuries are consistent with restraint. There's also signs of penetration and they're going to be running a rape kit. The doctor said there's a good chance based on what he's already seen that they would find semen. Mm -hmm. Benson and Stabler then walk to Siobhan's room and find her brother sitting at her bedside. She's asleep in the hospital bed. He tells the detectives that Siobhan was in so much pain that he'd begged them to put her on morphine. And in my notes, I wrote, I really hope he's not awful. I know. He seemed really upset. Yeah. And his face, his like dumb, stupid face. It was like, you're not like he didn't look like somebody that we were supposed to like even really remember. Like, I'm so suspicious of fucking everybody, though. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, he seems really concerned about his sister. Why did he have them morphine her up? Hmm. Right. Stabes goes off with him to get a coffee and have a cigarette or whatever. And Benson stays with Siobhan. So Munch and Toots are in Siobhan's hotel room with forensics. Toots is taking his own pics because there's powerful people involved in this crime. Stuff tends to like go missing in. Toots is like, all right, you could be corrupt forensics officer taking photos who's acting weird with me with my own camera, but I don't know you. So I'm going to take my own photos because I want to make sure that this crime gets handled appropriately. Toots does this like weird thing where he has the forensic guy take a picture (laughs) of him and Munch. Mid-crime scene he like puts his hand on fucking Munch and smiles and then takes a picture. Every single person in that room was like, what? So were we. I thought that was gonna maybe come up later, but it didn't. (laughs) Munch is mid like, all right, here's the blood stain where her head smashed against the door. Here's the phone that he beat her with and drugged her across the floor and then (laughs) cheese. Just real quick, do you mind? (laughs) The hotel is brand new, so there's no chance of getting, like, thousands of other fluid samples from previous guests, Mm -hmm. which is usually a problem with... And fingerprints and shit. Yeah, so that's good. They can get all of it without there being an issue of exclusion that they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And also the crime scene looks pretty straightforward. Like you can walk through it and it follows exactly what Siobhan says happened. Yeah. So they're at the hospital again and Stabler's outside with Siobhan's brother and he's smoking and he's like really beating himself up for not being there for her. 
mm-hmm. at the party and he can't really think of anyone that stood out to him but he said that they're from north carolina and everybody's like right like everything seems a little like they're coming to the big city yeah but he did remember a guy at the puppet show in the park staring at siobhan in my mind i was like why the fuck were they like she's 17 why were they at a puppet show but then he immediately <laughs> yeah. he immediately says that like he, he's got like a, a six-year-old daughter he stood out to him because he was staring at her for too long and he was alone with no kids and he was like white um 30s with brown hair and he feels bad because they're like how tall and he's like average and like what about his weight and it's like uh, average in his defense it's not like he sat and studied this guy he just noticed that he was looking at siobhan too much yeah so munch and twos are now talking to siobhan's sister-in-law i don't want to be a dick what? but <laughs> they usually occupy a little kid if they're going to talk to a witness or somebody who has anything to say about a sex crime and this kid was doing whatever she fucking wanted wasn't she like trying to sit on his lap and shit too like munch or something i'd be like hun go away (laughs) i would think that munch would have something sassy to say to a six-year-old instead he's just awkwardly like after the puppet show she and siobhan went swimming nobody seemed to bother them at the pool either and then yeah her daughter starts kind of crawling on munch and then that's when she's like hey can we finish this a later a little later she's like i kind of want to spend some time with my daughter tara after what happened yeah and they just do it they just go so they're at the precinct and that security guard brought in all the security tapes for munch to go through and i like how he was like as long as there's no 18 minute gaps i'm ecstatic yeah because it's the thorpe company you know they're gonna like try to protect themselves right benson has a sketch from shaban and fingerprint showed up shaban oh my god i can't believe i wrote shaban this whole time why was i saying shaban it's spelled shaban it's spelled, I know, but it's stupid. It's like like Sersha. Spell Sersha. What? S- the name Sersha. I oh, always never. think of it because it's spelled like I, I don't even know. It's spelled like Craig or something, but it's pronounced Sersha. I've never heard of that name. She's a famous actress. There's a Sersha Ronan. It's Irish, so I bet <gasps> Siobhan is Irish. I know Sersha. She's really pretty. What movie was she in? This doesn't matter. Okay, Bird something. Bird face girl. <laughs> I don't remember no. what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Ladybird. That's his call. Okay. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Birdface. Birdface girl, <laughs> you know? It's so good. <laughs> so Benson has a sketch from Siobhan and fingerprints showed up from someone in the system already. A Mr. Russell Ramsey. He was released 18 months ago on one count of statutory rape. And then the sketch is like a pretty dead on ringer for Russell. Yeah. I think I've referred to him as Ramsey the rest of the time. I don't know. I do too. This all seems like really easy this early in the episode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, all of the stuff is falling into line at this point. So what can the rest of the episode be about? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is a five minute episode. Yeah. Is this going to be like all just court stuff? Right. Okay. So Munch recognizes him from the videos he's been watching. Which also Munch is the security footage bitch at this point. I know. Yeah. So this dude is like hard dancing and pounding hot dogs. (laughs) He was just like, and then just grabbing hot dogs. And then there was like this giant bird dancing behind him. And it was... So I said this dude looks like a combo of Harlan Williams and Ben Schwartz, the guy who played Jean Ralphio from Parks and Rec. Yes. You know, she's the worst. That guy. Yes. Yeah. And I think so I'm good. right. Yeah. His dancing. Oh, my God. Just the he just kept grabbing hot dogs. That's this pile. Like way taller than everybody. This guy was having the time of his life. <laughs> he was just hard. Na- he was. Yeah, he was. He was having a great fucking time. So I think Munch is a little bit doubtful about this guy being the per- he kind of looks like i don't know because the guy is not necessarily behaving like he just committed this crime mm-hmm. but people are fucked up so we shall see yeah 
Oh, yeah. And also he's like, he's dancing and pounding hot dogs right when Mr. Thorpe starts his speech. So they're like, why isn't he like running out of there? You know, mm-hmm. if he raped yeah. somebody, why is he dancing? Why is he doing the Macarena with double fisting hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> he's that gif of that girl. It's like getting smoked in the face with like 30 hot dogs. <laughs> Just loving it though. I lo- that gif like that never fucking disappoints <laughs> ever. That that's one of your favorites and so is the um eye blinking guy. Yeah, I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. I love that one. I watched a whole little like mini documentary about the guy. About the guy in that gif? Yeah, he was like talking about what it ha- how it happened. Oh my god, now I want to know. It, well, he, he, it was just like an online video gaming thing, and they were like doing a little interview thing, and somebody said something like, don't go in the hole or something, and he was like, <laughs> like <laughs> or don't fill up the hole or something like that, and you, just his, because they're all on camera, and he's like, <laughs> sorry, what? Is there like a meme slash gif convention? He would be like the guest of honor. <laughs> I'd go. I would go. <laughs> I think I would go. Fucking Arnold's <laughs> fist is in is there. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, Toots pops in and lets Olivia know that Cragen wants to talk to her, so she leaves to go to his office. It's like, oh shit, Dad, what's up? Yeah. She walks into Cragen's office and there's a heartstrings moment here. He lets her know that her mom fell down the subway steps and she didn't make it. So Olivia's like, my mom never takes the subway. And he's like, it was a subway entrance outside of the velvet room. And Olivia immediately knows that her mom was drunk. Which I didn't even know that her mom was an alcoholic. Did we know we that? We didn't know. This is new information. I feel like because remember that was it the first episode or whatever episode she bought the fucking tomato. Se- second episode. Oh, the one where she tells her mom um, details of a classified case. Yeah. And they're both drinking a glass of wine together yeah but she like, accepted oh. that her mom was an alcoholic at that point like she says it later that she's like well i'd accepted that my mom was an alcoholic and i didn't have control over it oh but then the part that i thought was weird because i'm just like yeah they're just like bringing this information in right now mm-hmm. but because i thought it was weird because of that night that again we go back to this all the time but when Cragen told her about his wife and the plane crash and how it made him want to drink she just like went straight to just like our vic yeah. instead of being like hey yeah Holy we shit. relate because my yeah. mom's an alcoholic like we we've had talks like this like they should they don't yeah. address it and at all. also oh my god your wife died in a fucking plane crash oh my I'm, god, so I'm so sorry sorry i'm not gonna bring up anything else because that's like a very solo thing to talk about thank you for trusting me how do you transition yeah, not be like make it about me just like our that's a thing that you think and you go oh my god i am so sorry to hear that i'm gonna think about that later when i'm solving this case and then i'll tell you to tomorrow that i solved it not right now yeah she usually has great timing and that was not it that's mm-hmm. not where we are though we are here But it was like her second day on the job so you know that's uh, true but also not her second day of being an adult human so right who deals anyway. with alcoholics come on have some compassion okay right. Stabes and um, munch are getting out of their car on the street benson obviously went home for the day wait wait what a fucking heartbreaking single tear rolls down her cheek that's it i was like <laughs> It's so funny how the two of us absorb things differently because you're like, oh, don't flop the kid's head around or whatever. And I'm watching it and I'm going, they cut away. So that's got to be Visine. Or she can do that thing that some actors can do where they like make a drop come out. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's like a Visine drop. Yeah. Now they have digital d- tear. This digital <laughs> It was put in in post. <laughs> don't. We don't have time for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gabe and I had a fake emo band called Digital Tears. We'll tell you about it later. Yeah. 
we got we got kind of big in MySpace for a minute there. And they're like, when are you going to put out some music? And we're like, oh, we only believe in live music experience or whatever the fuck. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's awful. It's such a troll thing. Burt, Burt, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> oh, my God. Burt Reynolds. Stabler and Munch are getting out of their car on the street. Benson obviously went home for the day or something. Uh, they find Russell Ramsey, and he's outside of a building exterminating cockroaches. So, of course, the detectives make a lot of cockroach correlation humor. Mm -hmm. Just a bunch of cockroach dad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Ramsey is, he's got his back to them, and he has his headphones on, and again, is dancing super hard. Yeah. He seems shocked, surprised, and confused as they read him his Miranda rights and talk shit to him. And yeah. my thought are it is too early in the episode for them to have the perp right yeah plus this guy is playing genuinely confused and it looks like he's kind of a big oafy dummy yeah you know cut to ramsey being interrogated and he just goes i didn't rape nobody stabler brings up the statutory charge from three years prior ramsey insists that they were in love so then they go on to ask him where he was on wednesday at noon and he thinks for a second and says i was at that new hotel the thorpe palace with a girl her name was siobhan what the the fuck yeah he yeah. says it like he's relieved that he can remember exactly where he was like this is gonna cover him somehow like, oh thank god i can remember i was with that girl siobhan stabler and i are so confused <laughs> yeah he goes you basically beat the shit out of her and you're gonna use her as your alibi and returned with the shocked and super confusion is ramsey like, and yeah. he goes we were on a date i met her at a bar she gave me her room key that bitch said i raped her siobhan is on her way down to to the station to ID her attacker. So I guess we'll find out. Craigan and Cabot are on the other side of the glass from Ramsey. And Cabot says that if she can get Siobhan in front of a jury before her wounds heal, it's a done deal. They can't use his prior convictions of statutory because it's too prejudicial and doesn't have the same MO at all. No violence. They were known to each other. So it just can't be included. Cabot is still confident that she can nail this guy to the wall, though. So Olivia walks in the lineup room and Stabler's like, what the fuck, dude? You're supposed to take some time, you know? And she's just like, whatever, shut up. So they let the men walk in. They're all numbered. Siobhan starts crying and picks out number four, who is Russell Ramsey. And she's very upset. And I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And Stabler asks her to clarify where she knows him from. And she is like shaking. And she's like, he's the man who raped me. And I'm like, both of them are so believable. Yeah. And then I'm starting to think like, is this hot dog loving weird dancing guy like really a secret psychotic piece of shit? This is where I was like, what is the fucking twist here? And then I'm trying to figure it out. I'm going, okay, both of them are super believable. Both of them are super genuine. I go back to like, is her brother a bad guy? Or is there a twin involved somewhere? It's just too clean cut. And this guy is too believable. Yeah. I don't know. So... Bernadette Peters, circa the jerk with Steve Martin, walks into the precinct. Oh, my God. Yes. Not really, but is it obvious that I keep wanting her to be a guest star on this show? Because I feel like I bring her up a lot. Like, I... I think it was the time period. But anyway, she walks in and tells Munch she wants to talk to somebody about Russell Ramsey. And she tells Munch that her name is Shelley Levack. Munch pulls a chair out for her. He immediately knows who she is. And he goes, oh, so I assume you heard about him getting arrested again. She's the girl that he went to prison for statutory. So she tells Munch that Ramsey didn't rape her and that they were in love. And Munch is like, I don't know, honey, you were 15 and he was 22. Sounds like a predator. Ooh. I agree with Munch. Yeah. I was thinking it was maybe like an 1817 thing. Same. You know, not 15, 15 and, and 22, 22 is like a 
it's not even a stretch it's too mm -mm. i remember even like in high school when like a senior would date a freshman everybody was like Mm -hmm. ew Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she tells munch that she loves him and he promised her that he didn't do it and then munch says that ramsey told him that he had sex with siobhan and shelly gets all upset because it seems like she and ramsey are still together because she goes he cheated on me but then she goes on to say that she had cheated on him first and they had broken up a few days before to which munch replies yeah that's a classic trigger for rapists he lost control in an interpersonal relationship so he goes and sexually assaults another woman to regain that feeling of control she's like he didn't do anything to that skink oh yeah okay i can't be mad at shelly for that because this is 21 years ago she's only 20 years old at this point and has been conditioned her entire life to square up against other women like we were all taught that same fucking thing Mm -hmm. to divide us remember how we were all like we would call each other like hey batch or hey skank you know what i mean we would say that shit to each other like our friends and Mm -hmm. stuff you know yeah my dad thought that it meant like cool like you're saying cool skank so one time i was at the breakfast table with everybody and dad's like hey skank (laughs) i was like (laughs) 15 or something like that and i immediately like started bawling and ran off my mom's like richard (laughs) you know and he was like oh my god what did i do (laughs) oh my god oh my god (laughs) richard (laughs) (laughs) oh that's the best so Munch strolls into Cragen's office, and he is hot under the yeah. collar. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm ready for a rant. Here goes. There should be a special level of hell for this pus-sucking, gangrenous malignancy of a mental amoeba. Yeah, whatever, Munch. So Craig, Craig and Spiss, because he, he's like, or they're both pissed because Ramsey just sent his first victim to defend him against his second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Munch seems baffled that she's so convinced that he didn't rape Siobhan. And Cragen alludes to Munch being comforted by the fact that Ramsey will spend his time at Rikers being sexually assaulted himself. And then he goes on to ask if Munch is done with the security footage because Thorpe Palace wants the equipment back. And Munch gets this weird look on his face. So Munch goes back and looks at the tapes. And he noticed that Terry Wilde, the desk clerk who caught Siobhan out of the elevator, he's literally looking in the opposite direction of the party. So he's not really looking for any celebrities because that's where they be and he's looking at the elevator doors for like five minutes and when russell ramsey comes out of the elevator they like look at each other and terry like watches him go all the way out like did they set this up together that's what i'm starting to think like and then like looks at his watch yeah he like he like walks off and terry checks his watch yeah so now i'm like thinking okay did the desk clerk guy like give him a key to set up to get siobhan raped and like then why yeah, it's like Munch is, he's showing this to Toots and they're both like, whoa, these guys are working together. Mm-hmm. Something's fucking going on and Munch is going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, so Munch and Toots go to the Thorpe Palace Hotel. Looks like fucking Terry Wilde had been terminated for not showing up for work since that event. Mm-mm-mm. Super weird. Suspish. Yeah, so they want his address. It's in his files, which was on top of this dude's desk, which is weird. <laughs> it's just sitting there. <laughs> it's like, oh, that file? Oh, yeah, I have it right here. Like, they're doing the classic walk and talk, Munch and Toots. Terry Wilde lives at 1634 Broadway, which is actually the address to the Wintergreen Theater. What is happening? Mm-hmm. What is happening? Just so know go- that when you get someone's address, it's never going to be the right address. Right. Yeah. Middle of the East River, 
fucking yeah. some random theater. Right. They look at his past history and he worked at the Park Sheridan Hotel. So they go there. Munch and Toots are talking to this woman at the front desk. She kind of looks like a young Terry Hatcher. I don't know who Terry Hatcher is. I don't think she was in Desperate Housewives. She was in um, she was played Lois in Lois and Clark uh, with Dean Kane. That's that's the end. That's all I know her from. Also, she was Desperate in an episode Housewives. of Seinfeld. What's that? Who was in that? Who was in what? Desperate Housewives. I don't know. It was like ladies and they lived on a fucking wisteria lane. And Jesse Metcalf was like a pool boy. And like, I don't know. I never watched yeah. it, but it's what influenced the real Housewives to start, at least Orange County, which then started the whole franchise. So I don't know. blessed be the fruit that it was, <laughs> even though I never like watched it. <laughs> anyway, so, so they're at this hotel front she, desk. Yeah. talking to this like a uh, front desk clerk lady she directs them to the, her supervisor who was like right next to her yeah they tell him we need to talk to you about a former employee terry wilde and the receptionist and the supervisor look at each other like what the shit and the detectives assume that this means that they had an issue with terry and they're like oh why did he get canned you know the supervisor is like terry never left and the woman sidles <laughs> over <laughs> She takes one step. She kind of steps into frame and goes, <laughs> I'm Terry Wilde. And she like flips her hair back a little and she has a name tag that says her full name. It says Terry Wilde like on her full name tag. There's no way they would have that. They would never have that. And then she's like, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> oh my God. Stolen identity twist. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're, we're starting to get somewhere. Squad room with the squad. Munch, Toots, Benson, and Stabler. They all decide that it's pretty much impossible for this guy, Terry, to not be connected to the crime. So obviously he's going to be included now. Toots is going to go get his photo out there. Craigan steps out to ask to speak to Benson and Stabler. Craigan's mm -hmm. got, what was this guy's name? Mr. Tupper. Yeah. Mr. Tupper, he was he's an actuary for Mr. Thorpe's insurance. He's basically there to assess how much this case is worth fiscally to settle out of court because the Thorpe company does not want this shit to be public. Yeah, they're also not like admitting any liability, but right. they are just like, we're going to make restitution to keep everything quiet. Yeah. Stabler seems kind of amused by it. And he's like, oh, how much is a dead cop worth? And Tupper immediately was like, I would need rank and age at death. Like, I know. Super I was like, damn, dude. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, Stabes, uh, there is a price for everything, Hanny. Like, don't. He's like, <laughs> I just crunch like, numbers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> crunch numbers on your life. It's, it's not much. It's not going to be much. <laughs> so they're in Rikers Island. Cabot is visiting I cannot Ram believe you didn't use this as an opportunity to tell me how much his ass was worth. But anyway. Oh, We shit. value him for more than that. No, we don't. Yes, okay. we do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're at Rikers Island. Cabot is visiting Ramsey. She whips out fake Terry Weld's picture. And she's like, what is this fucking dude's fucking name? I want to know who the, what is. That's me. I want to know who, the, who this fucking guy is. Like, yeah. she's, she's like accusing them of being partners and he, that Terry gave him Siobhan's key and this dude is like insisting that Siobhan gave it to him. She's like, dude, we're going to find this guy with or without your help, but you're looking at 25 years with your past conviction and excessive force on Siobhan. And this guy just seemed so genuinely confused, dude. Oh, yeah, he insists that he doesn't have a partner at all. He doesn't know this fucking guy and he met Siobhan at the bar. And Cabot says that they checked out that story and nobody at the bar remembers him. And he's mm -hmm. like, maybe I just have a forgettable face. I mean, not the way he dances, but okay. Yeah. I'm not sure what the end is going to be here, but it's pretty rare that any bartender or patron forgets any detail about anybody in the um, SV universe. Yeah, they didn't really Do you like what I did there. The SV universe. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I needed to do a little lap back because I wasn't sure if you caught it. So I just had to make sure. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That part is really weird. They didn't tie that part up because that's not how that shit works. They didn't even go to the bar that we saw. Like they usually do that shit, you know? Yeah. But sometimes they skip it and we just get filled in like in this moment. But yeah, but never it, a bar or a restaurant. It's they're but it always is a yeah it's a, there's a, there's a bartender who's seen ended up on the cutting room floor and they're having a watch party for this episode and they're like damn it <laughs> fuck because the whole scene is like nope don't know him sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> they also says like customer excuse me i'm talking to somebody real quick a police officer this is important i'll get your drink in a second i'm sorry officer <laughs> what instead of actually like just continuing to work even though yeah. you just mimed them like cleaning glassware <laughs> i did i can't I, how can you do it in the sv universe i don't know i love that thanks for using it oh yeah. perfect could we just call it the sv universe <laughs> <Sphere> universe <laughs> Okay, so dude's fucking lawyer asks Cabot, like, what are you, what deal are you offering? So Cabot will recommend leniency if fucking Ramsey gives the name of his partner. Mm -hmm. Ramsey won't do it, and they'll see her at trial. He just shakes his head because he's like, I don't have this fucking guy's name. Like, right. So they're going to go to trial, and he goes, this is so wrong. And I'm like, he is so believable. I know. What is going on? I know. That's me at the end of every scene. What is going on? That's literally like every thing I have. What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> so Munch and Toots are at the Delancey Arms Hotel. So I love this fucking front desk dude. Um, he's trying to get 20 bucks for a tip off for Munch. He's skeevy, dude. Yeah, he kind of looks like every like middle-aged rockabilly dude I've ever met. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like he used to be in a ska band or something. <laughs> so Toots offers up 30 bucks of Munch's money. <laughs> Um, if the dude <laughs> yeah. turns out to be Terry Wilde, the guy they're looking for, you know? And this is a very different hotel than the ones they've been in since the beginning of this episode. Right. Yeah. The dude, like, swears it's him, but he signed under Michael Berkman, not Terry Wilde. Mm -hmm. So dude takes him up to the room and, like, kind of gently knocks and he's like, hi, you have a phone call. And the guy's like, who is it? And dude's just, like, fucking busts in. <laughs> like, yes. they they weren't even like, hey, or he just fucking, and the guy should have been fucking, he should have got his head cracked open from the door i love this he's like you can't do that else they're like yeah we have a fucking warrant in my hand right here yeah like we, this is the Terry. thing that we do with this thing yeah they're in craigan's office for like two seconds dave lets him know that they got the dude yeah now they're in the interrogation room we got munch we got toots we got wild and we got lawyer yeah okay munch is saying if you didn't have a connection to ramsey why did you use a false identity at the hotel and he's like i use the name to get work i got the name off the internet and this dude had a great resume and they're like well it's a chick and he's like whatever it doesn't matter i was just really desperate for a job yeah this dude is like really trying to convince him that he doesn't know ramsey and he did not facilitate a rape so terry wilde's lawyer says that all they really have on him is a criminal impersonation misdemeanor and i'm like stealing an identity is a misdemeanor <laughs> yeah Jesus. they were telling him that they can charge him with co-conspiracy you know obviously facilitating rape then there's a knock on the door yeah Stabes pops in to pull the detectives out for whatever and i'm like there's a lot of bachelor can i steal him for a sec and there is this episode <laughs> there is yeah <laughs> yeah so they're on the other side of the glass so this dude is not terry wild we know he's also not michael berkman because they ran his prints yeah his real name is kyle kivlahan disreputable roofer and petty thief yep. are we all on the same page no Nobody Terry is. <laughs> is Mike is Kyle, but we're going to call him Terry. Yeah. Okay. So he doesn't actually have a connection to Ramsey. He does have a connection to Bo, Siobhan's brother. They went to the same high school in North Carolina and Juvie. 
Okay. Looks like her own brother set her up to be raped. What the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. I have full body chills. Craigan walks in. Tupper had called and said that Siobhan's brother, Bo, is threatening a lawsuit of $10 million. Okay? Okay. These are my thoughts during this I swear to God, these were my thoughts at this point. So Munch says her own brother set her up to be raped. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the most fucked up con job. These guys are trying to get the payout from the hotel. Mm -hmm. But wait, here's my thought. Siobhan has to be in on it because I believe Russell Ramsey's story. Okay, Mm -hmm. but if his story includes Siobhan meeting him at a bar and they're on a date and they had consensual sex, how does it make sense that she was set up to be raped? They still don't believe Russell Ramsey. I do believe him. Siobhan has to be in on it. Okay. Okay. That's good. I didn't, I wasn't there. I didn't get there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking really hard, but also because you were, you were like, there's a crazy twist. And I'm like, this is the craziest thing I can think of. Right. Okay. So we're at the Thorpe Palace Hotel. Munch and Stabler are in Bo's hotel room on the patio, like brunching kind of. Rooftop terrace with Bo's wife. Yeah. Who's like wearing the cutest little outfit, by the way. She has like little shorts and a little crop top type thing on. I didn't notice. I was so mad at her at this point that... (laughs) Why were you mad at her? You didn't know anything about her. Oh, they were all in on it in my head at this point. Okay. Apparently, Bo and Siobhan recently got back into touch. He left home when Siobhan was, like, very young, and he was estranged, and then their parents died a couple months ago, and Bo never got to reconcile with him. But he came back because he wanted to, he was determined to have a relationship with Siobhan. Yeah, and he wanted to make up for missed time. Yeah, and this was sort of kind of like a little family reunion trip. And then Munch has this face, he's this, well, he has a face, of course, we hate it, but <laughs> he just looks suspicious of all he of He has it. a face. Yeah, he, yeah. It sure does. He sure does. <laughs> so Munch points out, and this it doesn't go anywhere, but Munch points out there's like this colorful bandage on the wife's arm. Again, wife has no name, but points out a bandage on her arm. And she says that Tara, you know, her little like five-year-old or whatever, mm-hmm. Tara gave her first aid because she fell off the jungle gym or some shit. And this lady has an answer for everything. So now mm-hmm. I'm suspicious of everybody. They are a group of con men and I'm fully calling it right now. Okay. Oh, and Stabler's confused why they're still staying there when Bo called it hotel hell. Because obviously his sister, like this horrific thing happened. And he's like, why are you guys still here? And his wife says that they're in a different room so they feel okay about it. And then it kind of pans around on this gorgeous rooftop patio with them eating a lovely brunch and like being catered to. So they're like, hmm. Yeah. It seemed okay to me before, but now it's definitely suspicious. Yeah. Siobhan, Bo, and his wife, they all had, they had adjoining rooms and Munch and Toots sends the friends a guy to lift off every print in the room that Bo and his wife were staying in. They're like really trying to place Ramsey. They're looking for evidence of Ramsey being in that room as well. Yeah. So Toots suggests like Bo maybe met Ramsey outside of the hotel and they think that Ramsey got a key from Terry, but Siobhan and Bo's room are adjoining and he could have let Ramsey in through the adjoining door. So when they open the thing, they find blood on the they find blood on the adjoining door door frame. So the door on the Bo and his wife side that wouldn't be accessible unless that hotel room door was opened by the people in that room mm-hmm. had blood smeared like a blood fingerprint. Yeah. On the frame that wouldn't have been possible unless the person who got that blood there was in not Siobhan's room where she was raped, but in the room that was adjoined. Right. Is that too detailed? I think so. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I like, I, I fucking spaced out after a minute. I was like, yeah, there's blood there or whatever. I'm moving on. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, there's, there's blood that it wouldn't have been able to be there unless he had been in the adjoining room. Now they know that there's more involvement. 
Yeah. So from the tapes, they know that Bo was at the party, but his wife was definitely in the room. And I'm also like, what the fuck is going on? And her being like, oh, I was blow drying my hair and I wouldn't have heard anything. Well, something's up. Right. Munch is at Riker's. Munch lights up a cigarette of the very, very beat up Ramsey. He's like, how do you know Bo? And Ramsey doesn't even know the name. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know Kyle Kivlon. I don't know Terry Wilde. I don't know Michael Berkman. All the but, But we find out the wife's name at this point. He asks how Ramsey knows Bo and how he knows Patricia Ann. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he doesn't know any of these fucking people. And he's and then he starts begging. He's like, I'll fucking literally say anything that you want just to get me out of here. He can't sleep because he's being attacked constantly. Yeah, the pecking order in prison puts him pretty far at the bottom. He's like, the only thing I'm fucking guilty of is bad judgment. That's it. He's like, Siobhan propositioned me and I fucking accepted. And he's like, I did not rape her. And Munch is just like, stay out of fights. Yeah. And he's like, how? And fucking Munch like slaps him in the fucking face, kind of like, like a little like, hey, pop, pop. A little pat, pat, like, "Mm, look what's, you know, this is where you're at now. This is to highlight that Munch has no compassion for this guy. This guy's begging and he's not seeing through. Did I rebutton my pants? Why? Oh, (laughs) Munch is just like, this is where you end up. Like, I don't feel bad for you. You know? This dude's like, everyone I look at fucking jumps me, like, and Munch mm-hmm. just walks away. Right. Anyway, so they're at the precinct. Munch and Cabot walk and talk. Munch has a little something in his craw about things not being right with Ramsey. And Cabot's mm-hmm. like, come on, he's our only slam dunk. First of all, she's wearing her, like, very best nude ensemble. It's like, she's just like <laughs> a stick. She's like a stick of nude, like a crayon. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Just a beige crayon. Yeah. Like when she goes to the store to buy something off the rack, she holds her arm up next to it. And if it matches perfectly, she buys it. (laughs) She wears a lot of beige. Okay. So she wants Munch to focus on Bo the brother and Terry Wilde with three other names so that she can get an indictment for them. Mm -hmm. Something is not sitting right with Munch, though. It's really weighing on him that Shelly came in to defend Ramsey. And Cabot's like, yeah, that's like NBD since I've seen abused kids defend their parents and abused wives defend their husbands. Mm -hmm. Drop that shit and focus on getting these other guys. And I'm like, I don't think so. You know, and this is Mm -hmm. where Munch shows his value. Yeah, he like wants to make sure that they get, he's like, there's a lot of fucking bad guys and I want to make sure we get all of them, Mm -hmm. you know? So Benson shows up in Cragen's office. Just pops right in. Yeah. He doesn't understand why she's even there. He's like, I want you to take time off. Benson says it takes her years to accept the fact her mother was an alcoholic. And when she did, she had to accept all the consequences so she can handle it. She just wants to work. I'm like, does Benson go to Al-Anon? And then I'm like, who the fuck has time to do anything when you have a job like she does and you care like she does. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. So the answer is she doesn't. She doesn't go to Al-Anon. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. Her ism is her job. It's right. bad. It's true. Yeah. Because she said that too. She's like... I need to work. I need to get back to normal and I need to work. And I'm not saying that that's not an okay. Like people cope through hard shit in different ways. So like, I don't think she's okay, but this is what she wants right now. Anyway, so she just wants to get back to work and she tells Cragen that she wants to talk to Siobhan. And Cragen mm-hmm. says that Olivia is not in any condition for that. And she presses until he lets her. And I could let it bother me that it seems like the rules are different for Benson than they were for Jeffries. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. 
yeah this has but, to do with sex dude and women and how fucking sex is viewed that's why jeff whatever dude and then i i also thought it might have to do with like white women do have a higher power putting way 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 a lot of thought into this when do we not i also thought maybe Cregan has learned through restraining jeffrey so much that he's not willing to do that with olivia as well because he lost jeffrey's and he can't afford to lose benson too and that's what i would like to believe he learned his lesson when he found toots sitting in that dark office and jeffrey's left without a word you know he you can too still hard. hire a fucking lady back you can still get her fucking jog back this isn't like she died or anything like you guys fucking judged her for having sex she didn't and- give you like a donut shop address like you know where she's at yeah i can't make the same mistake twice one that got away like you have her fucking phone number oh whatever anyways so Benson's in the hotel room with Siobhan. Siobhan is consistently in a hotel bathrobe, and I'm not here to judge that because I would be too. I'm jealous. That's my life. Yeah, it looks gorge and plush and amazing. Anyway, she's telling the same story about how Bo left when she was little and came back after their parents died to take care of her. Mm-hmm. The phone rings in the next room because they're in this big-ass suite, remember? And Siobhan mm-hmm. excuses herself to go answer the phone. She closes yeah. the door and, you know, proceeds. Well, we're still in the other room with Benson, so while she's in there on the phone benson who i didn't notice before but must have just come from her mom's funeral that day because she's wearing these sensible shoes and a little black dress but like a modest little black dress Mm -hmm. and she never wears that in the field like she's always wearing like fucking slacks and a nice fitted jacket you know benson's going through all these catalogs scattered around the table cartier fancy car ones fucking speedboat ones they have pages marked with post-it notes like somebody's planning on buying all this shit Mm -hmm. and then we hear siobhan through the wall she gets loud and she's like i don't care what you settle for i'm still gonna get my three million because i sure as hell did my part Mm -hmm. and i'm like i fucking knew it oh my god i wrote oh shit what's going on (laughs) (laughs) okay this is where i'm at let's reestablish where we're at now in us watching it i believe that she's part of this con and there's always one in the group who's too fucking dumb and i'm like she is so dumb that she's yelling on the phone at a person about her participation in a crime involving millions of dollars with an orgy of evidence flying around on a table she left a detective alone in a room with she's the dumb one except for taking advantage of the robes like she's a genius for that but where were you at right now me i was just like i'm fucking i'm buckled in i'm going for the ride i don't know what's going on but we're we're i'm going with i'm coming with i let jesus take the wheel jesus take the wheel. <laughs> all right so we're at the fucking precinct the gang's all here there's a fucking chalkboard and they're getting down to business so they're like moving pictures around and figuring out what the fuck's going on so they're moving fucking siobhan from victim to perp along with her brother Bo, aka his real name is clayton farnsworth but i'm calling him Bo. Mm. clayton farnsworth Pfft. Bo has charges of forgery and fraud in North Carolina, but he's just a petty con artist. So he fucks over beach tourists in the summer and home improvement scams in the off season. And then the bloody print they found on the adjoining door frame was Bo's wife, Patricia Ann. Oh my God. They're all in on it. Mm-hmm. Munch thinks that she went in there and trashed the place to look like it was a crime scene. And Terry Wilde is actually Bo and Siobhan's second cousin. They're a fucking family of grifters. Thor Portal was mm-hmm. the mark. So they need to get arrest warrants for the whole fucking family and call children's services because Bo, the Patricia's four-year-old, is in the mix. Which Toots was the one that brought that up. Right. But Munch says they can't jump on it yet because he wants to figure out how Ramsey fits in because that guy is not connected to them at all. And I'm like, he's the victim! Yeah, he's the fucking patsy or whatever the fuck. So we're at the Whedon Mayfield Insurance Company. Bo, Siobhan, and Patricia and the four-year-old show up to pick up the check for the settlement. The secretary lady calls out Tupper... 
That's the Thorpe actuary guy. He comes out and tells them that his supervisor needs to handle like checks that are this large. Mm-hmm. And he wants to have them go to his office. And the secretary lady takes the four-year-old out to play in daycare while they figure all this out. Every time we talk about Tara, the daughter, we make her younger and younger. Like at first you said she was six. And then I was like, uh, yeah, the five-year-old. And now you're like, yeah, this four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking brand new baby infant. <laughs> She's in uterine. (laughs) They cut her umbilical cord and they're like, hey, let's take you to the daycare. (laughs) So they all walk into a room and it's goddamn Daddy Cragen pretending to be the supervisor. Oh my God, hot. (laughs) What? That's just what I wrote. I don't know. You didn't get enough stabler this episode because you're like, no, I mean, I could see you. I could see you taking Cragen. Taking Cragen. Siobhan's like, are we going to get the check today? And Cragen cheekily says, unless you want to drop the claim. insurance humor <laughs> but he's very like tupper brings them in and he's like thanks tupper you can leave like i'm a money guy <laughs> yeah so craig and hands him over the check and speaks into the telecom which was like a weird thing to type because i haven't when's the last time you've heard telecom um i didn't even know it was called that so craig and hands him over the check and speaks into telecom and says we're done in here and the whole fucking gang busts through the doors all of the doors two fucking sets of double doors <laughs> just yeah. Toots and Munch through one, Benson and Staves through the other. They are there to arrest everybody. Toots fucking falls from the ceiling, (laughs) kicks open a window. Cragen tells them that they're under arrest for conspiracy, extortion, and grand larceny. Bo tells everyone in the room not to speak at all without a lawyer. So everybody else gets dragged off. We stay with Siobhan, and she's being detained by Benson and Staves. Mm-hmm. And she boohoos to the detectives, asking them, what did they do? And Olivia goes, why don't you tell me more about your dead parents? Turns out <laughs> both of her parents are in prison doing time. For investment scams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Siobhan shifts and says, I was ashamed. Benson tells her that they know she had a part in this. Siobhan shifts again and goes, they made me do it. You have no idea what they've done to me. She's also 23, not 17, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Benson goes, you're good, but I've been taken by better. Oh, shit. There it is. Yep. (laughs) The whole time, Siobhan is just like, she has a response for everything that they're doing. And as I'm watching this, I'm going, she's not the dumb one. Yeah. All of a sudden, the true Siobhan comes out, the tears are gone, and she turns and says, I want a deal. She was in the middle of going, no. And she's like, I want a deal. <laughs> okay, this this is like the pinnacle of this episode. The scene is amazing. I love Siobhan's acting. I love mm-hmm. her accent. Her North Carolina grifter tone is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love all of it. So I transcribed it in its entirety. Oh, okay. She also reminds me of that girl that's in... Um, the Ozarks, you know, like I never watched that. Oh well, she's I know like, I have to watch it. John told yeah. me I have to watch it too. Or he like started it, and I'm like, you can't watch it without me. And then I haven't put it. No, if you watch it, it, you'll be like, oh my god, this is fucking Siobhan. You need to rewatch. You need to watch it. I need to watch it instead of rewatching old Drag Race seasons. Benson, Stabler, Cabot, Siobhan, and Siobhan's lawyer are sitting in a conference room at the precinct. Mm-hmm. Siobhan has gone from this scared, timid victim to this cocky ass criminal. Mm-hmm. She's like. 
lean back into the side and answering their questions in a way like she's proud of of it like mm-hmm. basically like you're welcome here's all the shit we pulled and i'm winning at this you know yeah. she's the smart one mm-hmm. siobhan goes our cousin kyle's job was to get inside once he was he bumped a confirm reservation and got us in cabot who's stunned by all of this leans in chin resting in her hands hanging on every word goes so how is ramsey related to you siobhan goes he's not we found him on a sex offenders registry the sex was consensual we set him up the detectives are disgusted with her tasha you are nailing this so hard i'm like on the edge of my seat stop you're saying it because i want you to say that no i was saying it because it's true i'm sitting here like i wish i was laying on the couch with my feet in the air this is like perfect keep going i love you so much i love you staves goes and beating you to a pulp what was that foreplay siobhan goes that was patty ann of course her name's fucking patty ann i can't get out of it that was patty ann she came in after he left hurt like hell but she did a damn good job i mean that's pretty much it timed it so i got downstairs right in the middle of the opening and then kyle was in place to stop me just before i hit the press cabot is eating popcorn and has on 3d glasses at this point (laughs) oh my god yeah she's like why wouldn't that have made a stronger civil suit back to siobhan oh maybe but those take years i mean we knew that thorpe would pay to keep it quiet you know gag money pays real quick (sighs) cabot comes back to reality and seems defeated because she is Mm-hmm. You'll have to allocute to all of this when you plead guilty. Testify against all the other players. You're looking at probation. And Siobhan has a shit-eating grin on her face. Yeah. Just satisfaction. I mean, Benson's just disgusted the whole time. Like, it keeps cutting to her being like, the fuck? Like, if what the fuck had a visual, it would be her face in this moment. <laughs> yeah. And Benson goes, what was going through your mind when you were taking that beating? And Siobhan goes, how's going to spend all that money? Yeah. Oh, it was cold-blooded. 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 Like, I got such a boner from that fucking scene. I I was like, nope, I'm not, I can't sum it up. I got to do the whole fucking thing. And I'm glad that you did. It was so good. I wish I would have timestamped when it was in the show so I could be like, everybody pause right now. Go back, watch that scene, and just like, get into it. Just like, deep into it. She's an idiot for letting that fucking Benson in her room with all that shit everywhere and then getting on the phone and screaming about her money. Like, you're fucking dumb. You know what you do? You get on the phone. First of all, the cops come in. You fucking grab your shit and hide it. Get the fucking Gucci catalogs off of the table, yeah. dick. And then when the phone rings and it's one of your dudes, be like, hey, I'll call you back. There's a cop here. Yeah. Can this wait until the cop leaves yeah and they did everything so fucking good it was a good con and then yeah, that's how you know they why fucking... it's because it's an nbc drama and they're like we need to this is such a good story and somebody's like i'm writing a screenplay for a movie with this but for the show version we gotta wrap it up this is before there were like series tv before right. it was like this is a six-part series of this crazy fucking thing they're like this is gonna take eight hours and somebody's like i wish that was a thing and bobby netflix was like <laughs> he was just hanging out in the break room with him going like yeah he's mopping the floor (laughs) got an idea so for now it had to be some stupid trip old bobby netflix at it again (laughs) i'm gonna make something out of my life dad (laughs) and him and harold space (laughs) harvey hulu No, no. (laughs) 
Hulu. <laughs> Even right. HBO Max. <laughs> why, is this, why is this making me laugh so hard? A Harvey Hulu. Whoa, what does he look like? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Okay, so we're at the precinct. Munch, Toots, and Stabler find out that it was Siobhan who set this whole thing up. She's the ringleader. The OG plan was orchestrated by the parents, but when they got arrested, she needed, like, a replacement family, so she called up her, like, long-lost brother, Bo. And she had to convince him to do it with her because he just did petty shit. Like, this was the big This time. was big, yeah. So they set Ramsey up so they need to call and have him released. Toot says it'll be, like, another 24 hours to get him through the red tape. So Munch is like, we gotta fucking put a rush on this. Yeah, and Toots is also appalled that the person who set up everything is the one who's going to get probation. <sighs> yeah. So we're at the allocation hearing, and Siobhan is just like smugly telling the judge everything about Ramsey. Ray Zielinski judge. Yeah, I love this guy. Benson and Stabler pop into the courtroom and like have a quick chat with Cabot. Cabot wants Siobhan to elaborate on how Ramsey was enrolled in the scam. She says mm-hmm. that she just looked on the internet for a sex offender and she picked Ramsey because he wasn't as gross as the other ones and he didn't look dangerous and he liked them young. You could tell right away what the goal was here, that like there was a reason and they knew how cocky she was Mm -hmm. at this point. And as soon as Cabot asked her to be like, oh, could you educate us in this? She seemed excited to do it, to be able to showcase how slick she was. This is her downfall. So her cousin, Terry Wild, followed him around for a few days and got Ramsey's schedule down. And then she just showed up at the bar he was at. And she goes and gives him a room key and told him when to show up. Cabot's like, how do you know he would come? And she's like, dude, he's an ex-con with a loser job who likes young girls. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Oh, but then Siobhan kind of gets defensive because she's like, well, what would you have done if he didn't show up? And Siobhan's like, I would have planned beat it. And Cabot's like, what's plan B? And she's like, what aren't you getting? No man turns down free sex. Yeah. Say yucks. Say yucks. <laughs> so the judge sentenced her to five years probation and he pounds the gavel and she's looking happy and like happy with her lawyer. And then fucking Benson and Stabler hop up with handcuffs and arrest her. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, Ramsey was attacked at Rikers. He was raped and murdered and her false allegation put him in prison. She's responsible for his death by the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's manslaughter. That's fucking manslaughter. So bye, bitch. Your deal doesn't cover manslaughter. Bye, batch. So back in the squad room, Cragen tells Munch that they got her, and Munch isn't really satisfied with that because Ramsey's fucking yeah, dead. Yeah, he's like, hey, what price? In our final scene, oh. we go to a, like a shipping yard where Munch is walking in to tell Shelly that Ramsey was cleared. Now, remember Shelly, she was his girlfriend. She was 15 and he was 22. Yeah, yeah back there like together still or whatever yeah he says that she was right but then asks her to go have a cup of coffee with him because he needs to talk to her about something oh yeah and it just ends with them walking off together yeah like we know what's coming yeah this was a fucking killer episode so fucking good so good very excited for this chaser i think it's great the story is not gonna be a surprise because sometimes i like to be like surprise this happened and like Mm -hmm. i just live for you to gasp and i was trying to figure out how i could set it up so it would be a gasp but it's not this episode was haw ripped from the headlines Mm -hmm. okay this is the story that it was based on i'm very excited Mm. 
When you told me the like premise, I was like, what? How do how have I not heard of this? I know. Me neither. Okay. It was Halloween of 1992. Put yourself Ooh. there. Okay. 20-year-old Wanda Mary Normile was down from Maine vacationing with family in Florida. That night, she reported her own rape from her hotel room at the <gasps> Disney-owned Caribbean Beach Resort Hotel in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. At 8 p.m., she returned to her room with her 10-month-old baby. When she walked into her dark room, her tiny 4-foot-9, 100-pound frame was grabbed from behind. So because he was behind her, she couldn't see her attacker clearly. He put duct tape over her eyes and mouth. Sheriff's investigator Tom Harrison said after the fact that it was reported that, quote, he came out of nowhere. She was unaware of his presence in the room until he came at her. The baby was put in the crib at his direction. The man, the attacker, dressed in a Dracula costume, beat her as she was bound to the bed and gagged with the tape. He also sexually assaulted her many times. Hold on, hold on. What do you mean? What do you mean a Dracula costume? Like with a cape and stuff? I mean, I didn't get the details of the costumes. Like, was he wearing the teeth? You mean? (laughs) We're only laughing because. Oh, a hundred percent. But no, we all know where this is going because we all just fucking watched slash listened to this episode of SVU. So he came up behind her and was like, ah, 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 ah. One, two. (laughs) Okay. He then left with money and jewelry, all while Wanda's 10-month-old baby was at the end of her bed in the crib. When her baby cried, the man threatened to kill the child unless Wanda was able to quiet her down, so she just gave her a cookie. This is what she told two investigators. Mm -hmm. Once the attacker was gone, she was able to free herself and call 911. She was treated and released from the hospital and began cooperating with detectives to try and find the identity of her attacker. It's not to say that this isn't possible, but there were many security measures in place that made it baffling to staff and police. Now, this was talked about, obviously, by, like, the Disney PR team, but... Mm -hmm. This hotel in particular is very, very busy, super well lit, paroled by security officers. The rooms used card keys, which were fairly new at the time, um, Mm -hmm. and they were considered much safer than key locks. I mean, all of this was being discussed like we can't figure out how this happened. Plus, there were zero witnesses. There was nobody who could identify this person. It was just baffling to everyone. Although when people are like... How could this happen? It's like rapist I know. ways. You know what I mean? It's like... It's still possible. It was the first time that there had ever been a public, because it kept saying, this is the first time that anybody had ever heard of that ever happening at a Disney mm-hmm. like hotel or resort they or whatever. It's like it, I'm sure. That, we, yeah. that we've heard of, yeah. that we know about, that we were informed about. So Disney spokesman John Dreyer reported that, quote, this was totally atypical. Well, of course he would say that, but it's a bad look for Disney of all places. You know what I mean? This didn't happen at fucking any other random luxury resort. It happened at fucking the familiest, friendliest fucking, mm-hmm. eh, it's a small world, fucking Disney. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like the rooms there are like pirate themed and shit. Yeah. The thing that made it even worse is that when Wanda called 911, she reached Reedy Creek Fire Department dispatchers. They dispatched paramedics to get her immediate medical attention, but then dispatchers notified Disney security instead of local police. 
Okay. The 911 dispatcher? So the way it's set up, I didn't go into detail about this, but the way that it was set up at the time, Disney, it's like its own jurisdiction, basically. So the hotel manager was notified by radio and went to Wanda's room where he found her still with tape on her face and she was bleeding, badly beaten. He was the first to speak to her in person and then sent rescue workers into her. Actual non-Disney police didn't get to Wanda until at least 30 minutes later. Oh my fucking God. Maria Curtis, Sheriff's Office Victims Advocate, spent the next two days with Wanda and she told reporters, quote, she's hanging in there because she's got a very supportive sister. Her sister was out buying food at the time of the attack but hadn't left her side since. Mm. So... The 30-minute reroute to Disney security delay was one of the things that was noted in the civil suit against Disney that was filed on Wednesday, June 23rd, 1993 by an attorney representing Wanda Normile. Mm -hmm. It accused Disney of negligence, which included an insufficient 911 phone system, poor security patrols, ineffective room keys, poor screening of employees, and a lack of maintenance to the guest room door locks. The suit said that a, quote, reasonable 911 system, which is properly utilized, would have deterred, prevented, or minimized the risk of sexual assault or other criminal acts to its patrons, guests, or invitees. Disney offered a $200,000 settlement. Normile rejected it, demanding $1.2 million. Well, in October of 1993, Wanda May Normile, now 21, and her brother, James William Burke, 33, were charged with filing a false report, conspiracy to commit grand theft, and attempted grand theft. Quote, she was beaten pretty badly. They made it look very realistic, said Sergeant Cox, chief sex crimes investigator. Mm -hmm. So like she was at a Disney themed hotel, probably. Yeah. The Caribbean, whatever. But then her, the villain that she made up in her head was a fucking Dracula. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was Halloween night. So that's right. That's right. Before staging the rape in the hotel room, Wanda had sex with an acquaintance somewhere else in Orange County so that when she was examined, they would find signs of recent sexual activity. Mm-hmm. This man was questioned by investigators and said he didn't know he was part of a scam. He mm-hmm. just thought he was getting some pussy. Okay. I did that for a laugh and I'm going to take it out. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> no, please leave it in because it was funny because you're, you're like some pussy and you like kind of backed off the mic a little bit and it was like perfect. But I was just, I had like some thoughts in my head so I didn't like register it until after. So leave that in. Hold on. Well. <laughs> Keep it, cut and paste that in there. Please leave it. It was her brother, James William Burke who taped Normile to the bedpost and, with her permission, beat the shit out of her. Oh, my God. With a stick. Initially, investigators had some nagging questions super early on, but none that they allowed to stall their investigation. And one was in regards to the tape used to restrain her. Mm-hmm. They said that it didn't have the kind of strain that they would expect to find when someone is bound and struggling to free themselves. But most of the story made so much sense that they left that to just circumstance. They're like, we're not about to start questioning the validity of this person's story. I mean, she was beat the fuck up. Like that mm-hmm. was the biggest selling point to them. Yeah. Also, she wasn't even from Maine. Okay. Their mom, before her death, lived in Orlando. These guys traveled the area and surrounding states. So they were like... Around the surrounding states, like, conning people out of stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normile's aliases included Wanda Mary Burke, Wanda Mary Cleveland, and Leah Ann Kelly. Her brother also had a slew of aliases, Ivory Morgan, James Brown, and Jamie Johnson. Okay. (laughs) Okay. 
Orange County rape investigator Tom Harrison got a tip in December of 1993. This was from Normile's half-sister. She said that she was pissed at the pair, so she fucking rolled on him. She Whoa. said that the whole plan was made at an Orlando-area restaurant between Normile and Burke. Investigators talked to more witnesses that were at the table that night, and they got confirmation of the plot and then began looking for Normile. So Wait. nobody would have known except her half-sister was, like, mad at her for some shit. You I know? wonder what it was. I know! Did she want in on it? Did she bang her husband? Did she insult her cooking? Like, what level of petty is this woman Yeah, that she didn't say anything for, was it well over a year? Yeah, because it was in 92. Oh, it was in 90. It was in October of 92. And then the tip came in December of 93. She knew about it before it even happened. Mm. And then it happened and she kept her mouth shut for over a year. Yeah. And then she's like, fuck this bitch. <laughs> I'm calling the sheriff Tom Harrison and I'm going to let him know. I don't care. Want to marry Normile? I am calling the police on you. <laughs> get up on your gator and get the hell out of here. <laughs> Another tip led them to find Wanda Mary Normile in Rutherford County, Tennessee in a travel trailer. They thought they might never find her because of her nomadic lifestyle and multiple aliases. They also had assumed that she would have changed her name since they announced her rape a hoax in October. October, mm -hmm. But they found her using her real name two months later. Okay. So there we go. In May of 1994, Normile would plead guilty to grand theft and falsely reporting a crime. She was sentenced to three and a half years in prison and probation. She also agreed to pay about $24,000 to Disney and the Orange County Sheriff's Office to cover investigative costs. Okay. I mean, they spent thousands of hours on this. Yeah. And then she was sentenced in June of 94. So now the things that have changed since then, emergency calls that come from the Disney property are now transferred immediately to the sheriff's. Mm -hmm. And also her brother wasn't charged because he died in March of 1994 from an undisclosed illness. Oh, yeah. But Normile was also supposed to get parenting educational classes to try and straighten herself out. I don't know much about her. I did find her like on Facebook and shit now. <gasps> But she's just like a normal person on Facebook. Like not there's nothing in the news about her, but she is in her 40s now. Yeah. I was gonna say, how old would her kid be now? Well, her kid was 10 months old in 1992. Oh, um, yeah. So whatever that means. Younger than yep. me. That's all I know. That kid would be 29. Ooh, ew. 1993 was 20. Ugh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Sorry. How dare you do that to me? Yeah, so that is the story that this episode is 100% based on, which is like damn near fucking it. Yeah. Wow. There's some part of me that's like being a con person against big corporations. I'm kind of like, yeah. I have like the sort of like glamorized romantic like Ocean's Eleven fucking view of it sort of. But falsely reporting a rape is like not if you're gonna you know con somebody and wear like a cool bow tie or whatever the shit i have in my head um don't just leave rape stuff out of it that shit is do you just have a moral much... agenda for your cons you're like you can con but not about that oh yeah oh man i guess yeah just like you grift money out of anybody but you're not doing our words and you're not doing 
You leave the elderly out of it. I don't know. I don't like people being tricked and duped. It makes me sad. I don't like it. No, yeah. In reality, it's like super sad. The movies are different. The movies like, make it yeah. like a Peter Pan situation. Yeah, like a... You know? Yeah, but... um, Like fucking George Clooney's the one doing it. Fucking charming ass fucking Don Cheadle is like with his British accent or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't like false rape stuff because that's just... It's already hard enough. We don't need that shit. Nobody's you know, rooting for that. Nobody's rooting for that. Yeah. The Dracula twist was pretty cool, though. Yeah, the Dracula twist was the biggest one of the story. <laughs> but I guess he was in a Dracula costume, though. I guess, yeah. like, and probably so in case there was security or whatever. He oh, could his go, brother was? Yeah, the brother was in a Dracula costume. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Follow us on all social media at svupod. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, svupod.com, where we have merch. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. <laughs> Did you hear that? You have a f- f- fucking phone number. Cut that out, because I'll never be able to live with myself. It's like bothering me. I'm like getting sweaty about it. I don't... I'll never be able to live with it. I won't. Tasha, you left the room, but I know listening Tasha, editing Tasha can hear me. I wish you would have farted. Tasha, can you hear me? Oh, my lips are so champ, Tasha.